One new message. Uh, hey, Derek, it's Tom calling. Um, I know we said we were going to record the podcast today, but um, the wind has been so nice. A couple of days ago, I took off, and I didn't know where I was going to go, and I just kept going and going. And now I'm in Canada. The fall colors are awesome. And uh, I don't know when I'll be back, so I'll just call you when I get back, and hopefully I'll be back in time to do the show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Writer Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin. Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcycle riders, welcome to the Sound Rider Show in this November edition where apparently it's Govember because I'm riding solo here on this episode. Tom is out and about. I don't know where he's at, but hey, I got keys to the studio, so I'm going to be bringing to you the latest and greatest in all things motorcycling here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, a little bit later into the show, like we normally do, we're going to get into news bites. We're going to talk about the calendar, and even though it's uh, colder months here, there are still a lot of things hey, going on. So, and, hey, hey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tom Marin, ladies and gentlemen. Tom, I didn't think that uh, I didn't think we'd see you today, Dude. so I I got started here, man. What? What is going on here? You've got the studio all set up. How'd you get in here? Well, you know, I know people. I've I've been around a while, but welcome back. How are how are things? Where you been? I uh, it was an awesome ride. Yeah, I, I don't remember parts of it, but. Uh... Well, you were you were gone for a while, man. Yeah, well, welcome I took back. Took off a couple of days ago. Yeah. It was like it was like super weather. It was a little bit foggy in the morning, but but it was warm, so I knew the roads wouldn't ice up. And so I took off, and um, uh, I I just kept going. Yeah, well, where I, to? Uh, well, I went up I five, got off up there at Pioneer Way, went out to Savannah. Did some of my favorite little hooky-hoo roads out there, the Savannah Terrace, the Marine Drive, the Norman Road, back onto Pioneer. And, oh, man, the fall colors. Oh, it's gorgeous this time of oh, year. Oh, my God. It was just beautiful. And, you know, there was enough cars moving around. There wasn't leaves all over the road. So I didn't fear that I was going to come around a corner and dump it in a bunch of leaves yeah. or anything. But uh, then I went up on Skagit City Road. I went up through Dodge Valley, over to Edison, uh, rode on the uh, Colony Valley Road. It's a road a lot of people don't know about. Uh, went up to Algiers, went up to, to Whatcom Lake. Oh, that's beautiful up there. I've never God, been on that road. Great roads out there, though. Uh, then I, I, I took off up Highway 9, and I went up to the border, and I went to Sumas, and then it was like lunchtime. So I... Uh, I pulled out at the little Mexican place. I think it's the the northernmost Mexican restaurant in all of America. It's I like think a you block might be away right. from the border. Yeah, and uh, and I ordered one margarita. I was just going to have one margarita, sure. and uh, so Senorita came over and started making my margarita. And she put in the tequila, and then she put in the Cointreau, and then she put in the Grand Marnier, and she stirred it all up, and then she put a Grand Marnier floating on top. I'm like, whoa, yeah. Senorita! It's a heavy one. So I had my lunch, and uh, and when I passed through the border, and the guy at the border looked at me, and he said, just remember, whatever happens in Canada stays in Canada. And that's like kind of the last thing I remember. Really interesting. And I have like little snippets of stuff going in and out of my brain, kind of like a David Lynch movie. You right, know? yeah. And uh, and I, I was up at Dawson Creek, and then I was up on the Arctic Circle. And the weird thing was, is like I went on the on the Honda Silverwing. Uh huh. But when I'm up in in the north of the border, I'm I've got the NC 700X. So something changed out. Something's weird happened. Yeah, that and is I'm weird. Lashing like two five gallon gas cans to the back seat of the NC 700X, so I can make it up to Prudhoe yeah, Bay. Yeah, you need it, sure. And uh, and then you know I I, t I got up to the Prudhoe Bay. Did I call you? Yeah, I got a voicemail from you. Yeah. Oh, really? Because I kind of remember that I called you, but I, I I. Well, that's why I started the show. I didn't think you'd be back. Yeah, I must have 
I must have been taking a selfie of myself at Prudhoe Bay, yeah. and I had the phone in my hand, and I thought, I better call you. Well, it's the selfie capital of uh, the Arctic Circle, Prudhoe Bay, I think. Oh, wow. So then, uh, I don't know, and then, 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 then this morning, all of a sudden, I'm coming back through the border again. Yeah. And I remember everything vividly. I... I, I I uh, came down, uh, instead of going down 9, I went across 547 and then down 542 around Mount Baker, uh, rode on the Mosquito Lake Road, uh, went down to Beaver Lake. Oh, man, let me tell you, the fall colors. Yeah. Wow. It's gorgeous out there. It's beautiful. Uh, Went down around Lake Cavanaugh and up on Grandstrom Road. I uh, was winding my way down on Burn Road, and then I got into Snohomish County. You ever ride in Snohomish County? You know, a little bit. Not a ton, but... You know, I can never remember how to get from north to south through Snohomish County. Yeah. So I just look at where the sun is when I start, and then I just keep going, you know, using the sun as my guide. I don't have a GPS or no, anything. No, old school navigation. And uh, what, what is today, Sunday? Uh, it is, yeah. Today is Sunday. Oh, you, so you must have decided you're going to come in here knowing that I would want to get back for the for the Seahawks game. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's why I, I wanted to get things rolling. You know, I just assumed that you'd be back before uh, before kickoff. Wow. Well, I guess I guess we got time to do this before the game. Let's so. roll into it. Yeah. All right. Why don't I? Uh, why don't want to take a minute here? I, I, you got all these notes and stuff. I don't even know what we're talking about today. Well, You've done we, all the work. Great job. Thank you. The good people are expecting it. And so uh, let me uh, let me take a break here, and then we'll come back and we'll do some deuce bites. Support for Sound Rider and the Sound Rider Show is made possible in part by Skagit Power Sports, where you'll find one of the largest selections of new and used motorcycles, apparel, and gear in the North Sound. Skagit Power Sports provides a relaxed atmosphere and no pressure sales staff to get you into your next bike simply and quickly. And that's why they are consistently voted the top dealer in the Pacific Northwest by Sound Riders year after year. Visit them in Burlington today or find them online at SkagitPowerSports.com. Hi, my name is Dana. I live in Belfair. I ride a KTM 350 and a BMW, uh, 1200 GS Adventure, and a Harley. And uh, my favorite ride is following Sean. Hey, everybody. This is Andrew from Moscow Moto, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. on the Sound Rider Show on this November edition. And, uh, you know, there's still a lot going on that we do need to talk about. So I think we should kind of get into some of the hot topics. There's been some great things flying around on uh, social media. And uh, November is always a very busy month. What uh, What's on your mind, though, Tom? Wow, there's a lot on the news bites. There is. There's yeah. a ton of stuff going on. Well, okay. So it uh, looks like uh, Triumph of Seattle is going to take a Triumph motorcycle to the Baja 1000. And I saw this, right? This went up uh, on our Facebook page. And uh, and this is no shenanigans. No, it looks – it's legit. Yeah. And it's a it's – an, they, it, they did an excellent job. It looks awesome. Uh, well, yeah, but it's a, it's a, a T100 Bonneville. Wow. I mean you got all those Explorer bikes and the Tigers and all that. Yeah. How, how come we're taking a is – is this going to be a Guinness Book World's Record first Bonneville T100 to finish – well, Baja 1000. You know, I don't know. I wonder, though, what uh, what do you think the weight is compared to maybe yeah, those we Tigers and those sorts of things? Got me wondering about that, too. Because I feel like uh, the T100 might have uh, – structurally might be more malleable to make improvements and adjustments and that kind of thing where the Tiger might be a little more locked in. Like you're not going to be able to make any removals and additions as easily. Uh, I think the weight's a lot higher. On the T100, you think it is? Oh yeah, the Tiger's pretty heavy. I think though. I mean, I think well, we're yeah, getting towards I think GS that the T100 territory. has a, like a steel frame, and I don't know. I, I don't know all my specs here, but uh, yeah. and then you know they got that suspension setup uh, from Conflict on there. Yeah, that's going to add a few extra pounds. Sure, and well, if you beat it, that'll allow you to feel like you can beat the crap out of the bike, and yeah. then when you do, what uh, are you going to break the frame? Or? Well, maybe that's why they wanted the steel frame. Yeah, hmm. you know, a little more rigidity there, but appearance-wise, it looks awesome and. 
outside of that, I'm just glad to see Seattle getting involved a little more internationally, even if it is only yeah, the Baja true. 1000, you know? That's true. I mean, we we have had people over the years who have gone down and done the Baja 1000. Yeah. Um, but just so you know, you start adding up the numbers. It's a lot of money to go down there. You got to take, you know, four riders yeah. with you. You got to have a crew. Maybe you're, maybe you're shifting some of your riders in and out as part of the crew. Sure. But, uh, accountant wouldn't. That's a lot of money to spend. Well, on maybe so, to but you know, I mean, live a dream, you know. Well, at the end of the day, though, aren't we all living the dream as motorcycle riders? So, yeah. I mean, that's you know, the practicality of motorcycle riding is uh, up for debate, but the enjoyment level is there. So, I say, you know, good for them. The bike looks sweet. I, I hope they have some success, and I hope that encourages other area dealers and uh, you know, component manufacturers because we have a lot of those in the Northwest to get involved in. Uh, continue to be out there and sort of expanding their brand i think it's a i think it's a cool step anyway well we wish them well and we hope they finish up yeah absolutely and i hope it doesn't take too many days to do that but uh, we'll see yeah uh here's a here's a hot button here hey. now the national park wants to raise up everybody's rates again yeah. they just tripled them two years ago yeah and now they want to triple them again remember it used to be uh five dollars five years ago to take a motorcycle in the national park now they want fifty dollar fee to take motorcycle and that's per motorcycle right and now uh, did you, i did i read into this a little bit did you do any more background research to kind of dive into this at all or what uh what was sort of your surface analysis so we've had a lot of people putting in comments online yes and apparently what they don't plan to do is raise the annual fee of $80, and under the annual fee, you can get into any national park with two people. So if you had two motorcycles, you could get in, or a carload of people, Right, and and that's one person with the pass for 80 bucks. I guess it's not a bad idea, but, you know, it's like I, I don't – some years I never go to the national park. Yes, so. yeah. And that is uh, actually for the annual pass for two motorcycle riders to get in. They both have to be listed on the pass. So ah. if, if you put Connie, oh, you've done your homework. Huh? Yeah, if you, if you put Connie on the uh, pass and then show up with me, they're going to ding me for the fifty bucks, and they're going to say, "Well, you can, Tom, you're on the annual pass. You're in. You so, got." But so Connie I have to has pay. a lifetime pass. Can she put me on her pass, and I'll take her pass if she's not there? I think you can only have one other person on the pass. So it depends right. who's listed on the pass right now. But um, there are a couple other things to note on this. This is actually uh, – this is only going to apply to about 10 of the most popular national 13. parks. 13, okay. And but it applies to two of ours. Two of ours. That's absolutely right. And it's also surge pricing. It's in the summertime. Oh, yeah, but that's uh, June to October is right. what the date is. So that's the only time you would ever go to Mount Rainier For National five months, Park. yeah. And I'm, not, I'm certainly not defending it. Believe me, I would like to spend many, many minutes on this topic uh, ripping it to shreds. But <laughs> uh, just, just to give sort of some cursory background information on there, um, a lot of these parks, the most popular ones in the area being Olympic National Park, is going to go from, what is it right now, 25 or 30? 30 in the car. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think it was 20 on the bikes. And it's going to go up to 50 during this five-month window stretch, the warmer months when most people... It's the only time you would ride a motorcycle. Into, you know, right. I mean, or, you really wouldn't go to Hurricane Ridge in January. You, well, it wouldn't be recommended unless you have a, a timber sled maybe. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but that's kind of the background on it. And, you know, I, for one, I, I hate it. I don't think it's a good idea at all. I don't like it. I, uh, I think that the national parks need a lot of work in the, uh, in the management department. I don't want to get up in too much of a soapbox here. Uh-huh. But 50 bucks to go for a motorcycle ride, so many people just want to ride straight through. There at least, at the very exactly. least, needs to be an alternate option. How many option. people go through Yellowstone every year? They don't want to stay the night. They don't want to tour the park. They just It's the only way to get yeah. from like Montana out to the West End. Absolutely. And look, if, you are, if I'm going to ride through, at least give me the option for a day pass. All yeah. the options they have right now are 50 bucks. It's going to be for a week pass. I don't need that. Give me a ten dollar pass. Oh, and when you get the fifty dollar pass, like I know when you got when I got the thirty dollar pass this summer for Hurricane Ridge, yeah, that was only valid for national parks in the Pacific Northwest, right? So it didn't count if I wanted to go down to Yosemite in five yeah. days. Forget it; it wouldn't work anymore. Then you know they changed that around, and and we used to fund the national parks through our taxpayer money. What happened to that? We still do. <laughs> well, yeah. the, how did, and and when they tripled the rates two years ago, and now they say that there's all these parks in disrepair. Yeah. where did the money go? Uh, it's just disappearing. That's for sure. Well, you know, I am, uh, and I want to make sure. And I know we're both in the same boat on this. I think 
we both are big supporters of the outdoors. We like outdoor space. We like to be able to go out and not just ride, but to also backpack and hike. So this isn't an indictment of the national parks per se, but the rate, at least from my perspective, it's just that's astronomical. I mean, come on. If I'm going to spend a day, charge me 10 bucks. Let me ride through the park. That's right. You know, and I read in an article too that they have the parks are reporting an 11.5 billion dollar backlog in deferred maintenance costs that needs to be taken care of. I just have such a hard time believing that. Sounds like just, somebody's not running a very good exactly. Uh, like if you can't, that's it. If you can't there. cut it, then we need to find somebody else. There's to something do called it, a know. replacement reserve study. You ought to have one of those. Somebody you ought to be following. It. <laughs> ought to do something, but please don't take it out on not just motorcycle riders, but if you're a family of four. You know, and your vacation is going to be uh, eaten into by, you know, these little things, they add up. I mean, let's, yeah. you know, it just, it seems outrageous to me, especially when the mission of national parks is to bring nature to the widest group possible. And now you are eliminating significant Yeah, you can't have that, like so. the low income people getting into national parks. Well, that's just it. And I mean, I get it. Look, 50 bucks, I know for a lot of us, isn't a ton of money, but yeah. still it's, there's a principle to it. Like people need to be able, be able to get out there and enjoy the actual outdoor space. So, uh, All right, so. I, I descend from my soapbox mm-hmm. for a moment. So one rant from one rant to another. And by the way, if you, uh, if you want to make your voice heard, I think you can go to the NPS.gov website. And uh, chime in there. You can you can hashtag uh, NPS when yeah. you're on social media. Somebody may be looking at that. We never know. Who knows? Maybe the website is part of that 11.5 billion dollar backlog. And you yeah. Can't log in anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so from one soapbox to another, yeah. uh, Harley Davidson down again. Another yep. quarter. Uh, things aren't looking too good. It looks like that. Uh, that uh, cutting through traffic television ad didn't really sell a lot of motorcycles. Well, I think huh? it's a little more than that. I mean, we had a mm. kind of a fun debate on that uh, a couple of months ago, but I think it's just it's a shifting of the times. You know, cruiser bikes are uh, are losing some of their uh, their interest. You know, that demographic seems to be aging out a little bit. And HD is going to have to do something, whether that's buying Ducati and uh, bringing in you know some different segments of motorcycles. Or starting to work in sort of the Honda, Suzuki, Kawasaki mode and give us something that's in the $6,000 range that rolls off the line brand new. Well, it wasn't too long ago they got rid of Buell, and that might have been the saving grace for them right about now. Perhaps, yeah. I don't know. Buell was kind of a – was definitely an interesting one. They had some bikes that I really liked. But, uh, you know, this doesn't shock me, though. Does this surprise you? I mean, this this has been in the uh It doesn't surprise leagues. me. I, was, I yeah. was thinking about this from a marketing standpoint the other day. You know, I think what they've been doing up until now is like hiring these advertising agencies to yeah. write these scripts and, and point them in this direction to sell more bikes to old people. And I think the big problem is is that you need to put a bunch of like 30-year-old people in a room and have them tell you about what they like about riding motorcycles right? and build a script from there using people who actually ride motorcycles. I don't know what they've actually done in the past, so I could, I, I could be hitting on something they've already tried. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to me when we saw that last commercial that they're uh, actually getting into people's heads and finding out – what really makes them like riding motorcycles? Well, so that's an interesting comment because as being the one 30-something in the room here, uh, I approved of the commercial, and uh, you found it to be sort of in bad taste, right? Uh, yeah, and then it didn't seem to help the bottom line, did it? Well, I don't think much has seemed to help the Harley-Davidson bottom line. So don't line go looking time. for a marketing job anytime soon. Okay? Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe <laughs> uh, maybe the uh, the problem is something a little more endemic than that because, I mean, I think that that was probably part of the – the idea was to try to play up the excitement a little bit of owning a motorcycle, and uh, maybe they need to focus more on the uh, the older demographic. Mm-hmm. So you know you got to well, get the a- older demographic's dying. <laughs> I know. They're so getting to- on walkers and stuff. So you need to sell them motorcycles before their kids can't spend their money. So, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It is uh, you know, any motorcycle manufacturer that uh, is struggling is always something that tugs on my heartstrings a little bit. Uh, frankly, I want to see Harley Davidson do well, even though I'm not a cruiser guy per se. Um, they have done a lot for the world of motorcycling. They're a legendary brand, and uh, I want to see them find a way to turn it around and stick around for another hundred years. Yeah, so do I. All right. Uh, a quick apology for our server being down a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there's a major security update that they did on our server. 
And uh, so for the weekend, it was down, but it's back up, and and uh, it's more secure than ever. That's right. And, of course, this is the uh, SoundRider server. So uh, the uh, the magazine, the site was uh, inaccessible for a short amount of time, but everything is back up, cruising better than ever. So uh, you can go on there, www.soundrider.com, get the latest and greatest. And, of course, download the show if you uh, have found us through an alternate source. You can uh, – Oh, that's okay. You can listen to it on now. iTunes yeah. or TuneIn or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Oh, you were just talking about Ducati. Yeah. So, uh, Skagit Power Sports has dropped the Ducati line mm-hmm. and, uh, citing, uh, lack of sales. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a good buy for Harley Davidson right now, but maybe. But do you think this maybe ties into some of our discussion that maybe it's just the price point that is, uh, that's a good point. Making yeah, but these the, manufacturers the scramblers struggle. are down there. They're not too expensive. And, that's true. And they had their little run the first year and now they sort yeah. of slowed down. And Well, I think if uh, dealers probably had the option to only carry the scramblers, I think a lot of them probably would. Because those are what eight or nine thousand. Yeah, but uh, what I'm hearing is uh, that the scrambler sort of had its day the first year, and then after the second year, it didn't sell that Clear well. To everybody, that's a possibility too. So. Yeah. Well, all you have to do is just update the graphics. You don't need to re-engineer, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, they got six different versions. Sell so. out your stock for six or seven years. All right. Uh, Honda announced their new Goldwing coming. All right. And uh, you know, uh, Yamaha was all set to release their Star Venture ahead of the new Goldwing. Yeah. And then something happened in uh, technically, and they had to hold the bike back. So it looks like they'll both be coming out this spring together at the same time. Well, Goldwing continues to dominate that segment. So as long as Honda can ride that gravy train, I mean, I think it makes sense to keep rolling those out. I'm a little surprised that uh, Yamaha continues to play in that segment. What do you think on that? Well, they've got, they've got their, their star fans out there. Yeah. A lot of them are looking for the next touring bike, uh, and they don't want an FJR. So right. it's going to fill a, a void there that they have in the lineup right now. Um, and I think that uh, in the case of these two motorcycles as well, they're going to need to find a way to market them to younger people. Yeah. Uh, I think some of the styling on the new Goldwing, there's that one that, that doesn't have any top box on it. It's a pretty nice-looking bike. They are some good-looking bikes compared to the old 80s Goldwings, which were actually gold, right? A little more clunky. <laughs> yeah, there was one or two. But, you know, that's when you talk about, you know, not to, to drown so much of this segment in marketing suggestions for these companies, but – Gold wings when they roll off the line are what twenty five k yeah and uh, for a lot They're of people be more yeah you can buy like a, what what is it a a Yaris little uh, two door hatchback car for what twelve or thirteen grand anybody with twenty five grand wants to come over and buy all five of my motorcycles right. can come over and get them right now <laughs> and you can melt them all down and you can turn them into yeah. a, a Honda Element right uh, turn them into a Honda yeah. Anvil I think yeah. <laughs> But uh, that is, uh, I think, for new riders, I think that is a, um, I think that's a hurdle. You know, are we going to go out? You can buy a Versus for uh, sixty five hundred, or are you going to buy a twenty five thousand dollar Goldwing? Yeah, well, that's different customers for sure. But for the 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 youth segment, I mean, what would be your youth? I use that term. Well, loosely. I think you've got different segments in the younger rider segment too. You got yeah. people who are you know up on a management level at Amazon that are scratching their heads thinking maybe I want to ride a motorcycle and yeah. or maybe they already started riding and now they want to get a touring bike. Right. So it's just different different strokes for different people. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, there's a little problem uh, mentioned on the local TV in Seattle. What is that program called? Get Jesse or Jesse fixes it or something like that. The I don't guy, have any idea. The reporter that goes yeah. out and uh, they, they, they stumbled upon a situation where a guy tried to register his Vespa that he got at Big People's Scooters down in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. And the DOL said, uh, yeah, that's a suspect title because it's never been filed. Huh. So then they found out that there was another X amount of scooters that had never been filed into DOL. Interesting. So uh, if you bought a scooter at Big People Scooters between now and 2011, you should probably check with the DOL and make sure your title is clean. Yeah. And not not questionable. Yeah, because that, uh, that can come around to haunt you for a lot of reasons, not to mention the previous title holder. Well, yeah, these were new new bikes that got oh, sold. Oh, brand in. new bikes, I got yeah. you. So. But if you're trying to sell the bike, yeah. and then they say, well, that's not a clean title, uh, you've got a problem trying to sell your scooter. Yeah, so. a serious issue, that's for sure. 
Uh, we announced our 2018 Soundwriter dates. There's Exciting lots stuff. of details right on the on the website, soundwriter.com. Uh, we're going to have the road trip in the spring this year. We're going to have Sasquatch just before summer this year. Right. We're, we're skipping all the fire seasons. Well, that's good. We're getting ahead of them. Yeah. Now, here I thought that uh, fire season is 12 months a year. Yeah, it seems like it sometimes, yeah. huh? <laughs> In fact, you know, the, the air cleared the other day, and I looked out, and there was a, like a brown layer of junk in the air. I guess we got an inversion layer going on here or something. It seems like we can't escape it. I wonder if any of that stuff uh, is coming up from uh, NorCal right now. I know they're having a, uh, a tough time down there. Uh, could be. You know? Huh. I know. I've been away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Oh, and then the rally in the gorge. That will be uh, in the last weekend of August again. Yeah. Ahead of Memorial Day weekend, so you don't have to deal with the traffic of that. Looking forward to it. And the Cafe to Cafe will run, as always, from uh, March 1st up to September 30th. Beautiful. And uh, we've got some new cafes again. We yeah. always have new cafes. They're always new. Any uh, theme or anything like this that uh, you've put together this year that we should know about? No, we're not doing a theme this year. Okay. We had the golf course theme yeah, last year. The front Worked nine out and the pretty back good. Nine. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was I thought it was really clever. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um but uh no theme this year. Just gonna be some good places to eat. I I, I found a place that makes a, a turkey sandwich yeah. with all the fixins. So it, it has the cranberry and the stuffing and all that on it. Right. So I'm gonna put that one on. Yeah. Uh I got another new one hiding out somewhere. So it, it's going to be good. No sleeping on that. That's great, man. That's one of my favorite Soundwriter events. Uh, Team Oregon has uh, increased their advanced rider training offerings, and they now have a cart track down in Medford that they'll be teaching advanced rider training on. That's pretty sweet. So maybe some cornering techniques and that kind of thing that yeah. could really up your game. Yeah, they do it. Uh, they do it in a, a down on a go kart track south of Portland, right? Currently. And uh, it's all very tight cornering, so you really get to uh, you know learn how to turn your head tight and uh, work on your braking skills. Actually, operate the motorcycle. Don't let it operate you. Right, right, right. And it's all in a closed environment, so uh, so it's good. They're expanding it down to uh, Medford, and I guess if when you're in Medford, if there's people in California who want to come up and take the class, they could. Yeah. Because they'll take anybody. You don't have to live in Oregon in order to take the class. Absolutely. Well, and sometimes that's a kind of a good excuse, especially for advanced rider training. You kind of plan a weekend, make a little trip out of it, you know, go yeah. down south uh, or maybe come from out east if you're riding from Idaho and uh, take some of that advanced training and then employ those skills on your way back. And down by Medford, there's some great roads to go play on the day after you're done with the class. Yeah, see, I mean, it's all just <clears throat> lining up for uh, for all the riders out there. Uh, last but not least, a uh, good friend to Soundwriter for many years, Bill Spencer, has passed away. Uh, Bill is uh, best known for getting the Washington program started here, along with a few other people. Yeah. Uh, he also worked very hard on getting a program started in Oregon. Uh, and he went in and did some private training through the Harley-Davidson program. And then he retired and helped us on the rally every summer. Uh, came out with Don from All Moto Tire and uh, worked with Don getting people's tires mounted. And so, uh, sad day. Yep. And uh, we appreciate everything that Bill ever did in promoting us and, and being there supporting us. Well, truer words have never been spoken. So, let's take a little break. And when we come back, we'll have the calendar. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible in part by. Linwood Motoplex, your gateway to motorcycling adventure in the Pacific Northwest. Choose from brands like Indian, KTM, BMW, Kawasaki, Victory, Yamaha, Can-Am, and more. Family owned and operated for over 25 years. Linwood Motoplex is your one-stop shop for fun. Hi, my name is Kim Grimner. I'm from Vancouver, Washington, and I've got a couple of motorcycles, and I love to ride in the Gifford or the Tillamont Stake Forest. Hey, this is Benny with Langlet's Leathers, and you're listening to The Soundwriter Show.
clicking right along on the Soundwriter Show, diving into the calendar segment. And, you know, the streak continues. Even though we're heading into the colder winter months, there's still a lot going on all throughout the Pacific Northwest. Uh, starting on the 1st of November, down in Georgetown, as always, first Wednesday of every month, right? Yeah, and I put these on here. You know, these are sort of the old standbys, but uh, the way the weather's been going, we're getting some nice weather. Yeah, so it's... some of these are going to be fun to go out to, even though we're talking it being November. So, yeah, November 1st, old bike night in Georgetown. Go down there, check out all the old iron, bring your own old iron down. And uh, Slim's God, last chance. Who knows? It might be 75 degrees when you get there. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's shaping up to be a nice fall, but I'll take it. Uh, Saturday the 4th could also be good weather. Flat track races at the Washington State Fairgrounds. And uh, if you miss that one, they'll be doing it again on the 25th, Saturday the 25th of November. So two chances to see flat track racing here in the Puget Sound area. Uh, Let's see. Sunday the 5th, Washington State BMW Riders is having their annual monthly ride. Uh, which is actually happens about nine months out of the year. Yeah, that's still pretty good. But uh, 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 always a fun ride, and they do release the uh, the route ahead of time. You could go on their website right now and see it. Um, and really, probably going to be some awesome fall colors. I mean, you can already see that. We you know with some of the changes here, and if it stays warm, like we mentioned, uh, I mean, get out there and ride it. If you're a BMW rider or otherwise, you know, take advantage of it. Yep. Uh, Wednesday the 8th, got uh, the monthly Wednesday bike night at Seattle Used Bikes on Aurora. Uh, usually have the barbecue going out there with the pulled pork sandwiches, yeah. always a gathering of people. And, uh, you know, it might be 90 degrees when you get there. So. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme throughout this calendar segment here, right? Potential for good weather. And if you want some more fall colors, you go down to Hood River, where they'll be having the second Saturdays at Wham. Awesome. On the 11th. And uh, they always take out some cars, some motorcycles, and they always fly a few planes that are in the collections. So. Just, still just so impressed from the rally, the uh, that museum, having the chance to go in there and explore, man. What a great, great museum. Yeah, you're a, you're an airplane head, so yep. that must have been awesome. Oh, it really hit home for me, that's for sure. Airplanes and motorcycles. And, you know, I like, uh, I like cars, too, and they got some good stuff uh, in that regard, too. Uh, on the 14th, the St. Andrew's Bar and Grill in Seattle on Aurora Avenue will be doing a playback of the final round of 2017 MotoGP races from Spain. So uh, so wh- I wonder what's going to happen uh, with the uh, Baja 1000 in this. Is that going to be aired? Do they? Uh... I think all I've ever seen on that is uh, they do highlight reels later. Right. So if you want to look at the 2016 highlight reels of Baja, you could do that. Yeah. So, but these guys, they go to YouTube. They're across from Triumph of Seattle. This bar, right? Yeah. That's why I was just with their uh, with their one um, with the, they're sending the bike down there. The uh, the Triumph, right? Yeah, maybe they're sending a videographer, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just curious. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what, what happens what, with that. Yeah, transpires. Uh, I put this one on the calendar, even though it's not in the Pacific Northwest. But since we don't have a international motorcycle show anymore, right. uh, on the 17th through the 19th of November, the closest you're going to get is Long Beach, California. There you go. And uh, if you're going, uh, touch base with me. I'll be there. Nice. I'm taking my grandson. That's great. Heading down there this year. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I got him all jacked up on motorcycles. So yeah. <laughs> he's ready. Well, you know, if you're uh, if you are looking to make it down to Long Beach, you could uh, you could try, uh, stop in Medford, Oregon. You could do a little training. And uh, as you continue further south, uh, you could go through Yosemite at non-peak pricing. I think you can still get in there on a motorcycle for under 50 bucks. Ah, right. good point. <laughs> yeah. Well, and plus it's November, right? So yeah. it's not high season. Exactly. So you can uh, take advantage of the uh, non-surge pricing and what is sure to be uh, smaller crowds there. But Talk to the bears. Yes. Uh, okay, this one's cool. On the 18th, which is uh, Saturday, uh, the San Freud Riding Club is having their fifth annual Back 40 Enduro. Uh, I don't have details on where it's going to be held, but what they say on their website is uh, you should plan on it being somewhere within an hour and a half of Oregon. So I, I got the feeling they're still figuring out where the route's going to be. Right, yeah. Now, is that an hour and a half with, uh, within an hour and a half of Portland or? 
Portland, yeah. With Portland, okay. And uh, St. Freud is, is sort of, uh, you know, a toast to a classic vintage bike. So right. I don't think you're going to be going down that with your KTM 1290 and uh, be looked very highly upon. That's you know? not a classic vintage ride? No, if uh, anybody wants to rent my 72 SL350, uh, give me a call and we'll make a deal. I'm starting at 25 grand. Or I was going to say, or buy the whole collection. Buy one, get four free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the 23rd, nothing is happening on the 23rd, except that many people will be indulging in a lot of turkey. Yes. And then on the 24th, being Friday, now I trolled a few uh, dealers' websites today. I'm not seeing anything yet, but usually... Uh, your favorite dealer may be having a Black Friday-type sale going on. So uh, as you get closer to the date, check your local dealer website or call them. Yeah. Ask them what they're doing for Black Friday. Yeah, see if you can get uh, some gear at a nice discount there uh, for yourself or for a loved one because, of course, Christmas would be knocking on the door by that time. Yeah, what are you going to get me, Derek? Uh, I think that uh, I am going to get you a, a nice handshake. And a uh, a warm embrace. How does that sound for Christmas? <laughs> that'll, that'll work out fine. I got everything I need, anyways. So, all right, we're gonna take a little break, and then uh, when we come back, we've got an interview with. Uh, it says here, uh, Chris Fat from Women ADV Writers Magazine. News to me. Support for the Sound Writers Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in Issaquah, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from. Whether you're shopping for a used sport bike, cruiser, dual sport, sport touring, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Hello, this is Joey from Joey's Moto Dump and Junkyard on Maury Island in beautiful British Columbia. One of my favorite rides is in Washington from Mapton to Big Colton on the Glade Road. I like to just drop the throttle and let it roll. But right now, I'm listening to the Sound Rider Show. Hi, this is Rich from Rich's Custom Motorcycle Seats, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. show and we're here at the interview section of the show and we've got a special guest today from down in portland oregon formerly of washington don't know why she left but uh, we have chris fount from women adv writers magazine and that's our guest is formerly from portland not portland is formerly formerly from washington portland's not formerly from washington i know i don't right (laughs) chris welcome (laughs) to the sound writer show hi thanks for having me (laughs) So, uh, Chris, uh, you guys started up this Women's ADV Writers Magazine about, what, a year and a half ago? It's been almost a year. We started December 1st last year. Okay. And so uh, you're kind of like Soundwriter where you're doing an online magazine. You're you're one of the crazy people, I think. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, give us a little update on on what's happening, how many subscribers you have now, uh, what kind of monthly traffic you're getting on the site. You bet. So we we are at www.womenadvwriters.com. We get, I want to say, I don't know, thirty to 50,000 people a month is our monthly traffic. We go, grow by about 30% each month. Mm-hmm. And we have, uh, we have a presence on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So we try to get the word out um, featuring women writers, uh, both the people doing big round-the-world trips and the people who take their dirt bikes out every weekend and families who ride together. We want to show that women are out there, we're riding, we're part of this community, and bring that to people visually and with the written word. Cool, cool, and your yeah, your Facebook page stays pretty busy. I noticed that. Oh yes. <laughs> so uh, a year into it now, you guys are uh, embarking on a campaign to sort of inspire women to go to the next level 
of whatever they're doing writing wise. And mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, I'm going to let Derek kind of pick up here. What's the name of the campaign? Yeah, so it's Adventures, uh, Adventures Attitude, right? Is that right, Chris? That is right. Yeah, so I thought this was really interesting, and I found it to be pretty cool. And I wanted just a quick note on the website slash magazine is, you know, it is obviously women ADV riders, but it's not like guys like me can't take away anything from the content there. You guys have a lot of great writing, a lot of great articles, yeah, how-tos, places to go. Don't get into my secret, dude. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go in there and read all their blog posts, and I'm going to start writing articles just like those. But, you know, I, I, I think it's a great thing because obviously the idea is, right, you want to, you want to include everybody because motorcycling is for everybody. But I think it's worth noting that the content and the quality on there is really high quality, and uh, it's worth uh, for anybody who rides on two wheels to get out there and check it out. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's why it's a magazine and not really a blog. Right. Because it's high quality. Right. That's right, yeah. Blog yes, yeah. Blog does not do this justice for sure. But no. you know, as we as we move into this sort of campaign, which is one of the things that we really want to dive into, this of course is uh I, I the impression that I get anyway, and maybe you can clarify this a little bit, but now is the time that it's hey, we need to do some progressive outreach as an industry. You know, we're always talking about, especially on this show and you know, in the industry at large. What is going to be the next stage? How are we going to get more riders involved? What are we going to do as an industry? And I think your take and your expertise here is, hey, there's a lot of women out there who ride motorcycles, are into ADV riding. Let's do a campaign. Let's reach out to them, and let's start to make uh, this a little bit more inclusive. Am I right on that, Chris? You got it. Absolutely. So what kind of inspired you then to get uh, get this campaign going? Um, It was actually, we were having conversations about self-confidence, and it came about uh, after doing some training. A number of us on our team have done ADV training and off-road training, and realizing that the more self-confidence we have, the better we ride, but there's also the reciprocal link. The better we ride, the more self-confidence we have. Sure. And um, our editor was reading a Forbes magazine, and Marcy Worrell said, Wherever I've worked in the world, I've consistently found that a fundamental lack of belief in our own value, worth, and ability to achieve consistently tempers female ambition and holds women back. And that just dovetailed so perfectly with this experience we were having about our self-confidence growing and realizing that so often it's us that's holding us back, us not believing in in ourselves. And what we want to do is get out there and help people realize they have the capacity, they have the capabilities, and we want to support them to grow that self-confidence. Well, I mean, I think that's fantastic. And, you know, I, I think that's a very important point because I know that, you know, I've been in the motorcycling world for, you know, coming up on a decade. Tom has been around for a long time. And I think we both find it to be pretty inclusive. And when you mention, you know, that sometimes maybe the thing that is preventing, you know, not just women, but all anybody who is sort of a little hesitant to get into motorcycling is that they feel like there might be some sort of barrier um, preventing them from taking part in group rides or training sessions. But I think that it's really important to kind of to kind of emphasize that, that, you know, hey, motorcycling is actually a tremendously friendly world. And I'm wondering maybe a little bit about your experience. You know, how did you get into riding? How did you get to sort of a point where maybe you felt like, hey, you know, all this is going to take is a little bit of education and we can really get a lot more people involved? You bet. Um, so I started, I want to say about five years ago, it had been a lifelong dream, but I was, you know, was putting it off till my daughter was older and able to take care of herself. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, I got into it with my then boyfriend, now husband, who had been riding for a long time and he recommended starting on the dirt because everything that you learn from the dirt translates really well to the street. Excellent not necessarily advice. Vice versa. Yeah. And I really struggled. I had met, I think, one other female rider, but I was out every weekend riding with it. Well, I would say riding with the guys, but somebody, you know, held up the back and they watched me fall and they watched me fall and they watched me fall. Right. And, and that was really how I was learning. And I started speaking out. I was like, is, is gender have anything to do with this? Does strength have anything to do with this? So I started really speaking out female role models. I looked for female racers. I came across Liz Jansen and her book, Women, Motorcycles, and Empowerment. And it was really helpful for me because I didn't necessarily, well, I didn't know about women's only events, but that wasn't what I was looking for. I wanted to ride with my husband. Right. I just um, needed some role models to say, yeah, you can do this. It might be different. It might be hard for some people, but it's not because you're a girl. And that's really what I found. And over time, I've heard a lot of women who have struggled with some similar things 
Um, I've even heard some guys who struggled and they prefer sometimes to ride with women because there's a little bit of not with all male riding groups, but sometimes there's a little bit of competitiveness sure. that can be off-putting to certain personality types. That never happens. Right. <laughs> never, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, and so I got involved with the magazine really just wanting to put out there, I tend to put out there my mistakes because I want to encourage people. Like, this has been hard for me. Working on my bike has been hard. I've made more mistakes than I've done things right over the years. And I, you can do it, too. And so that's how I got involved with the magazine, and it's expanded beyond that. I absolutely love, you know, talking to women and talking to women around the world. And do you think, uh, you know, because when we talk about we all, of course, there's a few people out there who will say that they've never made a mistake motorcycling, and those people are liars, of course. <laughs> But do you feel like um, – I, I mean I personally feel like a lot of times within sort of a safety margin there, but I feel like the mistakes are some of the, the most enjoyable moments in motorcycling. You know, When you do have those kind of aha moments where you learn something new or where you take apart your bike and you realize, oh, I can't put this back together and then it sits in your garage for two weeks and then you slowly get it back together. Is that, uh, do you, is that part of uh, sort of your education campaign is to say like, hey – we all make mistakes, but that's kind of part of the joy of it. That's why we're in it, for the challenge. Absolutely. That kind of brings us to the slogan that we have come up with, which is um, adventure is attitude. And it's absolutely like I, I used to say when things would go terribly wrong, I'm like, I love it when things go wrong on a trip. Like, that's where my best stories come from. Exactly, so, yeah. <laughs> it's completely about the entire adventure of this is all about our attitude and what we bring to the table. Well, attitude does make such a, a huge impact, you know, not just in training, right, trying to always be in a position where you're thinking ahead and what new skills can I can I learn, but particularly, you know, in, in the hashtag really grabs at adventurer's attitude, you know, when you're out there and you go for a weekend trip with sunny weather and you come back and nothing goes wrong, nobody wants to hear that story. I don't want to hear that story. Like, I just, I don't care. But if you go out there and it rains for three days and you get a flat tire and you're stuck in the mud and you're out in the mountains. Now that's a story, right? That's something that you can really uh, hang your, your hat or your motorcycle helmet on and share for, for many years to come. Absolutely. <laughs> so do you have, cause you've been riding for five years and obviously it sounds like adventure riding is, um, maybe sort of your preferred sort of niche of riding, which is mine too. So I can, I can certainly sympathize with that. Do you have a, uh, a good motorcycling story? What's something that, uh, maybe you come back to when you meet new riders and you say, Hey, let me tell you this story. Let me try to kind of and capture this entire adventurer's attitude hashtag and, uh, get you motivated to go out there and try on your own. Um, gosh, that's a good question. Yeah. Try to pick one, right? I'm sure there's more than one. Right. <laughs> right. You know, one of my favorite things happened last year. I had had Utah on my bucket list as a lifelong dream, and I was training. I had a bike that um, I'd had some troubles with coming up to this time, and I'd been training and training and training, and two weeks before the trip, the bike died. And the greatest thing happened, which was the bike I owned before it, which was a little tiny XT225, right. actually popped up on Craigslist. Not like just any XT225, but my old bike. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so I got to buy the bike that I had already set up for the adventuring I had done before. And I got to ride my XT225 on 4,000 miles through Nevada and Utah oh. and Idaho and Wyoming and doing all the backcountry discovery routes. And it was, so that part was really phenomenal and amazing. And then part of our backcountry route, um, we were so determined to do the northern part of Utah, which at the beginning of June should have maybe could have been okay, but there was still quite a bit of snow. Yeah, over the route. that sounds like northern Utah for sure. <laughs> yes. And so we spent a day and we called it the Google Adventure Cut because it took <laughs> us through cow fields and through farmers' properties and up rain ruts and places that. Google said we're a road, so we felt okay doing it. We all go by the clearly not roads. Yeah, we all go by the gospel of Google. I've certainly been there before too. <laughs> exactly. Don't and then we got to this Google huge Maps. Oh, go ahead. No, Tom Marinot, we have an, an, an ongoing debate here, Tom and I, because I am a uh, very much a Google Maps guy. And, I uh, say don't use Google Maps <laughs> he likes when you're his, on your motorcycle. <laughs> he likes his old school atlas, which I've I've taken to bringing both now. But uh, so yeah, you're in you're in uh, northern Utah though on your XT225, and uh, what what else is happening down there? Oh my gosh, we got to we were 
trying to make it over the pass to, I think it was Bear Lake. There's a big lake up there, if that's the name I remember correctly. Um, and there was a snow, there were snow drifts, snow drifts, snow drifts, and we're like, we're making it through, making it through, making it through. And then there's a snow drift that just doesn't end. And we think we're going to make it. And we think we're going to make it. Right. <laughs> and I think after six or seven hours, we finally said, you know what? There are burgers and huckleberry shakes waiting for us if we just turn around and take an alternate route. <laughs> that is a, uh, that's a hard, uh, a hard pull to ignore. Burgers and huckleberry shakes. Seven especially. hours on a snow drift. <laughs> yeah, especially after I all wouldn't that time. do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So I think after hours of I have this like miles and miles of snowdrift, we turn around, follow our tracks back, go down, and an hour later we're eating our burgers and huckleberry shakes and decided that was probably the and, best decision we had made. And you got a hell of a story out of it too. See now that's something that's worth sharing. But you know, there are a couple of things that stand out to me on that. One is that you got your, your same X T two twenty five on uh back on Craigslist, which is to say that, hey, the motorcycling world is pretty small, so you need to be, make sure that you're nice to everybody that you see out on the road there. Uh, yes. But also, um, I think I'm a, I am very much an advocate of uh, low-powered bikes. I just think that they're more fun. I ride a DR350. Uh, my previous ru- uh, ride was a KLR250. Do you have some suggestions? Because obviously there is a little bit difference uh, physically um, you know, between a big bike and a large bike, but what about for women riders or maybe even just new riders in general? What kind of suggestions do you have for motorcycles? You bet. Um, so for newer riders, I have found that people like to be able to touch the ground. I know that was true for me for sure. Um, so those, I liked the lower powered bikes for getting started. I did find, so XT225, the Super Sherpa, I still wish Kawasaki would make that. Yeah. Um, the, let's see, I ride now a DR650 that I've lowered, and that's been the perfect compromise because I found the, two, the 225, as many awesome stories as I had. I also had a few, uh, I wasn't maybe riding it as conservatively as you need to ride a 225. Sure. <laughs> so I had a well, few it's tough on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the highway speeds in other states are quite a bit higher than our little Oregon. <laughs> they certainly are. Yeah, when you talk about uh, Utah and uh, Montana, right, uh, on an XT225, uh, you're not going to see 80 unless you're on a very steep downhill grade. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that actually created, I did that accidentally and created really, really bad speed wobble. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> I've heard of lesson. that happening before. Yeah, I still have that on the old DR350, so I can certainly sympathize with that. Awesome, yes. So I do, I I love that they're coming out with more smaller, lighter bikes. I know Kawasaki just put out the, was it the KLX250 with fuel injection? Um, the XT250 is still being sold. Yep. And those are excellent learner bikes, and I also love picking things up used, obviously, and being able to take them out on the trails and beat them up and learn everything I need to know away from the cars. Yep. Hey, I got a question. So you're starting this campaign in November when a lot of Mm -hmm. people are putting their bike away for the winter. Mm -hmm. Is there a plan to rejuvenate the campaign again in the spring so that you have another shot at people when they, you know, like you're going to have all this material up online of things that I could learn to do. Or, or mm-hmm. things that would inspire me to do the next thing. But if my bike's uh, full of stable and on a battery charger, I can't actually go out and and do that stuff right now. So is there a plan is, for spring? So our plan is to run the campaign November 1st through March 31st. So it'll be five months. And hopefully in preparation for summer, I imagine that we'll get lots and lots of stories and ideas through the campaign so that we'll have possibly another theme for the coming summer months. Mm -hmm. But I also realize that we're thinking about winter and summer in terms of our Northern Hemisphere and being an international magazine, I know there is a part of our world that is just coming into the beautiful weather. True. And as we discussed with Utah, it doesn't always make a difference anyway, so it could be snow any time of year, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So well, it's good to hear. Are there going to be any sort of live events? I know you're going to do things, you know, uh, editorially, but are you going to have any either either live videos online or any live events around the Pacific Northwest where you guys are? Are you not? Are you not actually based here? There's a magazine based here. 
the magazine is actually, it was started by um, Egle, who's from Lithuania, and Sagita, who's from Lithuania. And then we have a we have me here in the Northwest, Elisa's traveling around the world, um, and Sarah's over on the East Coast. So we're not really, I think, based anywhere. It's kind uh-huh. of... <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. In the true adventure spirit, right? The, uh, the road is your Absolutely. home. Absolutely. So tell us then, because there's a lot of people listening that are going to want to probably get involved in the campaign here. What are some of the ways that people can take part, some of the ways that they can help? Absolutely, yeah. So hopefully we're hoping to get people tagging adventurer's attitude in all the photos that really exemplify that type of attitude, as well as articles. We're going to be doing a lot of interviews. So if you know um, women writers, if you know people who ride with women, we interview men. We have men who write for the magazine in support of women writers, and that's always been awesome. Really trying to link that idea of self-confidence um, and motorcycling and how those two things to go together. We're collecting audio clips from women so that we can have those up, um, probably more on social media, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter of stories of women um, linking self-confidence and motorcycling, uh, videos if people want to share those. We'll probably be doing another downloadable magazine. So the vast majority of our content is online, uh, but we do... We have done one downloadable magazine so people could have that with them because some people seem to prefer that format, and it includes it's totally multimedia. So it includes many different articles. It'll have exclusive content around videos and um, audio interviews as well. If anybody, if there are companies that want to help out, um, you can sponsor the campaign financially, but also really it helps you to raise awareness of women who ride adventure motorcycles, gaining exposure for organizations or companies, and you also get to know your customers or audience better because if you're sponsoring the campaign, you're hearing their stories. And um, if anybody wants to donate prizes, we're going to do a lot of social media. I'm not totally sure if we'll be doing live events like you asked about, but we'll be doing a lot of social media contests. Um, Contests tend to gather a lot of energy and interest, so we want to have those available to get the word out about Adventurer's Attitude. Well, I tell you what, it sounds incredible, and of course the hashtag Adventurer's Attitude, the website womenadvriders.com. Chris, I want to get you out of here on this last thing because you're down in Portland, and of course we have a lot of Pacific Northwest riders. If we've got somebody who is transitioning, right, maybe just a new rider, they've done their course, they've done their, uh, you know, some street riding, they got a few hundred miles, where are you going to send them for an intro dual sport ride in the greater Portland area? Any suggestions? Oh, absolutely. Um, I love, let's see, I've done trainings with Coach Stroud. He's down in the Salem area of Portland. I've done trainings with PSSOR. I know they have their adventure trainings that are longer. I've actually just done shorter trainings with them. They have awesome instructors. And dirt bike safety training up north of Seattle is fantastic, and they travel around. I know, actually, the first time I took them was at Rally in the Gorge. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah, Whitney's a good guy. We like Whitney. He does a good job, too. (laughs) Yeah, Whitney and Jason are fantastic. So those three are my go-tos in the Northwest. Well, really great suggestions, Chris, and really great stuff. The hashtag Adventure is Attitude, the website womenadvriders.com. Chris Fant, thank you so much for joining us in the November edition of the Sound Rider Show. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. We hope to see you out on the road and at the Rally in the Gorge, too. Sounds good. We're going to be right back with some tips and tricks. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by... Adventure Motorsports, Stomish County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. Hi there, this is Steve Stewart. My favorite place to ride in the state is US-14 along the Columbia River. Go to the Sound Rider Rally and check it out. Hello, this is Bill Cameron from Skagit Power Sports, and you are listening to the Sound Rider Show.
And rolling into the final segment here on the Songwriter Show. And of course, we always go into some tips and tricks, but you know, I've been thinking things over throughout this show, Tom, and I, I think I got a pretty good idea what happened to you there at the uh, Canadian border. What? I don't think you made it into Canada. I think that you passed out underneath your sombrero right outside of that Mexican restaurant, right next to the scooter, and you dreamt the whole thing. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. How did I make that phone call to you from uh, Prudhoe Bay? Well, if, I, if it was the first time that I've been drunk dialed by the old Tom Marin, I would uh, otherwise be suspicious. But uh, oh. I think that's that's the case. <laughs> I had to check my cell phone bill. <laughs> but I, I don't know. But you, so you think I like I was sleeping under the hedge of the Mexican restaurant for like three days because of one margarita? Well, I don't even know if it was three days, but uh, I think uh, I think I think the evidence adds up there. But what I really want to know is if you dreamt any tips and tricks, because maybe in this uh, this David Lynch-type days, you came up with some new insights. What uh, what are you thinking on that end? I did. Yeah. <clears throat> I do have a new tip and trick, and uh, it's not a religious one, but I call it the Holy Trinity. Okay, fair enough. Um, because, you know, when you don't ride for – or when you're out riding, you don't get time to exercise and that sort of thing, and sure. then you really start to feel it later. Yeah. So you got to keep up with it. So uh, the Holy Trinity is – I know people who their doctor told them they should stretch every day. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're 30 or 50 or 70 years old. Right. We should all be stretching every day. Yeah. So that's what they do. They stretch every day, and then they don't do any aerobics. No, no, you got to do aerobics every day. You got to go break a sweat. If you if you sh- shoot for every day breaking a sweat and you're good with it, you'll probably break a sweat five times a week. Yeah, that's true. 30 to 60 minutes of some type of aerobic. And the third part of the Holy Trinity is doing some, some uh, weight training. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be anything magnificent. You don't have to have barbells in your house. You don't have to go down to the gym. Right. Uh, I do a, a free weight circuit three times a week. And uh, between that and the aerobics and the stretching, I'm feeling a lot better. My, I felt really bad this summer, and I had to kind of put my whole body back together. Yeah. And I spent the last month and a half now kind of reconstructing my body and, and getting those muscles strong again. So when I get up, I, I, I don't hurt myself. Well, that's important uh, for everyday life. It's also important for motorcycling where you might find yourself having to pick up your motorcycle or doing a little camping. It can be a lot more comfortable when you're healthy. So it sounds like the last six weeks have been uh, a great march of progress for you. Yeah, it's been good. And then, you know, when you're camping, you know, you know why people hurt when they sleep on the ground? I mean, you're not, don't sleep on the ground. You yeah, know, if sleep you can on avoid a good it. air mat. But you know why they say they hurt when they sleep on the air mat? Why is that? They're not working out. They're well, not doing anything to, to do get their them. muscles toned up. Yeah. I can sleep on an air mat at my age, you know, a bit. I'm 58 years old. Now. Sure. And uh, I don't have a problem with that. But yeah. uh, there's a lot of guys who are 50 years old who tell me they will, oh, no, I'm done camping, you know. Yeah. So. Well, I think the, it's always great advice to stay healthy. And you're right. Physical activity makes a big difference. And not only that, I think it'll make you uh, much more willing to want to get out and ride. That's true. Because you, know? you, have you have a much better outlook on life when you feel good. And the only way you're going to feel good is you got to do all three. Right. Can't do one because then you can't lift something up, like your bike. Right. You know? Not that you would ever drop it, but should it happen, you want to make sure that uh, you're ready and uh, able to get that back up uh, upright, of course. So uh, you've been uh, preparing for the show without me here for the last few yeah. days. So what do, you, what do you got for a tip? So I have got uh, – it's a little bit of a tip slash challenge here. And you know when we roll into the colder months here and we're in November, and you look outside and you know that you've got short days ahead and you see maybe some overcast and maybe some light rain – you kind of think to yourself, you know, maybe instead of riding, I'll go to a movie or maybe I'll do some work around the house. But I think it's a good idea to just try to see if you can average for the month of November 100 miles a week. See if you can get 400 miles on the clock for the month of November. You know, that might be one decent-sized weekend trip or it might just be taking it out, uh, you know, every couple of days for a, a cup of coffee. But Keep the keep the skills going. Keep the progress marching. You know, there's nothing to be afraid of in the wintertime if you've got good gear. It can really improve your skills. It's better for the bike. And you know what? You know you love to be out there riding, so get out there and ride. And you're right. It is better for the bike. Um, 
I kind of I've been writing more now, you know, commuting again. Sure. And uh, I did that article on on being a commuter, and yep. I'm, I'm getting my one piece suit for the stuff like that. That's great. Uh, and it, yeah, it's definitely better for the bike than rather than just let it sit around the garage for six months. And uh, I don't know, you know, four hundred in a month—that might be a lot. But even if I just uh, went to breakfast every Saturday morning at my favorite little breakfast haunt, sure, I'd probably put you know fifty miles on the bike. Yeah, for that month, and that's good. That's for you know keeps it keeps the oil fresh and all that. So absolutely, and you're right. It doesn't have to be four hundred miles, but my, maybe that's kind of a a little bit of a motivating factor, right? Nice round number, a hundred miles a week. I'm gonna have to go check my odometer and see how many miles I put on. My yeah, bike. well, the challenge has been issued. Now you have to spend all of November uh, stretching, lifting weights, doing aerobic exercise, and uh, riding at least a hundred miles a week. So everybody and, should have their plate full. And, and checking my credit card bill to see where I've been. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. Well, you know, all good things. You know, I think uh, obviously it's about uh, enjoying the uh, the world of motorcycling. We are fortunate. If you're listening, you probably own a bike. You probably get out and ride. Certainly, you and I have a uh, have that capacity. So let's make the most of it. No and way. when you're not out riding, we want you reading Soundrider online at Soundrider.com. Yep. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing y'all back here in December. But until then, we want you to ride safe. We want you to ride well. We want you to ride often. And if you haven't done it yet, we want you to get out and enjoy the awesome fall colors. And have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you in December on the Sound Rider Show. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.